Abba, we thank you for your Rosh Hashanah, your Yom Teruah. Um, I pray that your word would go forth to encourage all those who hear it, Lord, by your Ruach, that you would touch their hearts and build them up, build up your body, O oh God. In Yeshua's name we pray. Amen. Uvachodesh Hashvi'i Be'echad. Lachodesh Mikra Kodesh Yiye Lachem Ko Melachet Melechet Avoda Lo Ta'asu Yom Terua Yiye Lachem. Did you guys get that? Okay, we got, so I don't need to translate. Just in case. This is what it says. Uh, this is in Numbers 21. No, sorry, Numbers 29, verse 1. This is what it says in English. In the seventh month, on the first day of the month, which is today, right? You are to have a holy convocation, right? Do not do any kind of ordinary work. It is a day of blowing the shofar for you. Literally, in the Hebrew, uh, it's a yom teruah, a day of shouting. And this is how... Um, it is translated in uh, the complete Jewish Bible. This is Numbers 29, verse 1. It is our instruction about this day, the first day of the seventh month, Yom Teruah, also known as Rosh Hashanah. It is a day of Teruah, which I said means what? Shouting. And it has been interpreted as a day for blowing the shofar. The scriptures do not give much more instruction or explanation about this day other than this, but we have a lot of beautiful traditions which can help fill in the gaps. This is the time of year when we break out the old ram's horn. Do we have that? Jason, do you have the, the, the shofar somewhere? Where is it? Can we hold it up? Hold up. There it is, back there. Do you see it? We break that out. And we blow into it, proclaiming a new year. Today, I want to suggest that Yeshua is our shofar. Yeshua is our shofar. Let's examine how the gospel of Yeshua connects with the shofar, and this day, Rosh Hashanah. Now, this time, when I say Yom Teruah, which is the day of shouting, let's all shout, uh, how about hallelujah? Does that sound good? That's what we're supposed to shout. Shouting is what we're supposed to do today. So let's try it. Yom Teruah. Wow. That was awesome. Excellent. So the shofar in the text of Scripture is a shout. Um, but what kind of shout? Well, as one example, it is the shout of presence, the presence of God. What do I mean? Well, let's look at Exodus 19. So the Israelites have come. Not yet. Hold on. Sorry. The Israelites have come out of Egypt uh, through the Red Sea, and they're about to receive the Torah on Mount Sinai, starting with the Ten Commandments. That's in Exodus 20. Uh, at this point, the people need to consecrate themselves or make themselves holy, and the shofar is going to be sounded. And here is the passage. We're going to start in verse 7. All right, thanks. Moshe came summoned the leaders of the people and presented them with all these words which Adonai had ordered him to say. And all the people answered as one. Let's answer as one. Everything Adonai has said, 
we will do. Moshe reported the words of the people to Adonai. Adonai said to Moshe, see, I am coming to you in a thick cloud. He's coming to, to the people by his presence. So the people will be able to hear when I speak to you and also to trust in you forever. Moshe had told Adonai what the people had said. So Adonai said to Moshe, go to the people today and tomorrow, separate them from me, so make them holy, consecrate them, by having them wash their clothing and prepare for the third day. For on the third day, Adonai will come down on Mount Sinai before the eyes of all the people. You are to set limits for the people all around and say, be careful not to go up on the mountain or even touch its base, for whoever touches the mountain will surely be put to death. No hand is to touch him, for he must be stoned or shot by arrows. Neither animal nor human will be allowed to live. When the, what? When the shofar sounds, then they may go up on the mountain. When the shofar sounds, then they may go up. It's a lot of interesting things here, all right? But we notice the last verse, of course. So essentially, the presence of God is going to rest on the mountain, and they must be holy. They have to clean themselves up and separate themselves because they can't approach the presence of God until they are separate and until the shofar sounds. So the sound of the shofar makes it possible for an unholy and imperfect people to be in the presence of the holy and perfect God. Let me say that again. The sound of the shofar is the signal that makes it possible for an unholy people to be in the presence of a holy and perfect God. Now, if God's presence is holy and good, then why does it sound so dangerous to approach it, right? I heard an analogy once uh, in uh, this really excellent series of videos. Um, it's called The Bible Project, and they described it like this. Um, God's presence, his holiness, we can think of it like the sun in our solar system. It provides light and energy to all life on earth, and it's very good. We would say the sun is a good thing, right? Yes. But it's also dangerous, right? Because if you get too close to it, you get uh, burnt up, right? Or even if you just stare at it, even if you just look at it directly, that would, that would hurt you, right? And it's, it's a goodness, right? But it's unbelievably powerful and pure. So if this is true for the sun, which is a star, it's a created thing in our universe, then kal vachomer, how much more is it true for the Holy One who created the sun, right? Theologically, the creator must be more radiant than the creation, the sun in our solar system. Amen? So coming back to the shofar in this verse, the shofar is a signal that it's okay for at least some people to approach the holy presence of God, specifically Moses and Aaron. But if Yeshua is our shofar, who enables us to come into the presence of God, he enables more than just a few, more than just Moses and Aaron. But in Yeshua, all who trust in him can approach the holy presence of God. Another text describes the brightness of the presence of God on Moshe's face, that it shone like the sun, so that the people couldn't 
look directly at it. That is, when he spent time with God, so he was up there on the mountain, right? He got the, the commandments. He came, even when he came back down, they couldn't look at Moses' face because such was the brightness from being in the presence of God. And he had to veil. He had to cover his face. Um, and this is what it says in 2 Corinthians verse 3, uh, starting in verse 3 about that. You show that you are a letter from Messiah, the result of our ministry, written not with ink, but the spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. Such, what? What does it say? Such confidence we have through Messiah before God. That is, we have confidence to approach God in Messiah. Now, if the ministry that brought death, which was engraved in letters on stone, came with glory so that the Israelites could not look steadily at the face of Moses because of its glory, transitory though it was, will not the ministry of the Spirit be even more glorious? Therefore, since we have such a hope, we are very, what? Bold. We are not like Moses, who would put a veil over his face to prevent the Israelites from seeing the end of what was passing away. So the context of this verse is slightly different, and we're going to come back to it, but it carries a similar idea. The first covenant was written on tablets of stone, and Moses was about to get this, all right? He was about to receive this. And the presence of God was too holy and powerful, just like the sun in our solar system, so the people couldn't even look at Moses' face when he came down. However, in Yeshua the Messiah, the glory and the access to the presence is even greater, but it is in Yeshua that we can actually stand in God's presence without getting hurt. We can get close to the, it's thinking about, we can get close to the sun in our solar system, but we won't get burned up. We can look on the sun directly, all right? Um, sun, S-U-N. So that's why he says we are very bold. Um, so we have seen that Yeshua, our shofar, means that we have access to the presence of God. When the shofar is blown this new year, Jason is about to blow the, the shofar, let us wonder in the access we have to the presence of the Holy One of Israel in Yeshua. And this brings us to the second way that Yeshua is the shofar. The Parsha for this um, feast comes from Genesis 22, which Clarine read so well, um, and it is uh, the binding of Isaac, right? This recounts how Abraham bound Isaac in accordance with God's command to give his only son, but also how Hashem gave a substitute at the last minute, the ram in the thicket. One reason that the rabbis chose this passage to read at this time of year was the connection between the ram in the thicket and the shofar. The shofar, of course, is the, the horn, right, of the ram. So it reminds us of this substitution. Yeshua, our shofar, is our substitution. He is the ram in the thicket. Another, the, another part of 2 Corinthians, a few chapters later, this is uh, chapter 5, starting in verse 14. For the Messiah's love has hold of us because we are convinced that one man died on behalf of all mankind, which implies that mankind was already dead, and that he died on behalf of all in order that those who live should not live any longer for themselves 
but for the one who on their behalf died and was raised. So from now on, we do not look at anyone from a worldly viewpoint, even if we once regarded the Messiah from a worldly viewpoint. We do not, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is united with the Messiah, he is a what? New creation. The old has passed. Look, what has come is fresh and new. Amen. So like the ram in the binding of Isaac, Yeshua has given his life as a substitution for us. That means that he died so that we wouldn't have to. But Yeshua not only died, it says in the verse he was also raised. He was raised from the dead, as we are reminded in verse 15. That is why, that is why we are made new. We are a new creation in Messiah because Yeshua was made new. Yeshua was raised from the dead. This season of Rosh Hashanah, it's a new year. But what is it that empowers us to be renewed? If we put our trust in Yeshua, we are united with Messiah in his death and resurrection. We are made new from the inside out. As the earlier passage from 2 Corinthians said, his Torah is now written on our hearts in the new covenant. And we are reborn with new hearts in the new covenant. We are given new life in the new covenant in Yeshua. This is what Jeremiah was looking forward to. This is what he was talking about when he wrote in Jeremiah 31, starting in verse 31. Here the days are coming, says Adonai, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Yehuda. It will not be like the covenant I made with their fathers on the day that I took them by their hand and brought them out of the land of Egypt, because they, for their part, violated my covenant, even though I, for my part, was a husband to them, says Adonai. For this is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says Adonai. I will, let's read this together. I will put my Torah within them and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. Uh, he says, I will write Torah on their hearts. No longer will any of them teach his fellow community member or his brother, know Adonai, for they will all know me from the least of them to the greatest, because I will forgive their wickedness and remember their sins no more. So all these themes tie together on this day. You, so Yeshua is our shofar as a reminder of God's presence, Yeshua is our shofar as a reminder of the substitution of the ram for our atonement. But what else does the shofar mean in Scripture? Well, there's a lot of times that the shofar is blown. Uh, during the year of Jubilee, it is blown to release the debts, and that is on Yom Kippur. During war, it's to announce a, a victory, even beforehand, as in Jericho. They blew the shofar, and then they conquered the city. Um, and as we said, it was blown when we received the Torah and for the presence of God. In most English translations, the word for shofar is translated trumpet, right? When we think of the blast of trumpets, the sound of the shofar, what do we usually think of? I'm sorry? The last trumpet? But, I mean, what, uh, why would that be blown? Why would the, that trumpet or any trumpet? A king. A king is coming, right? That's when we would blow the trumpet. That's when we would blow the shofar. 
okay? In the Hebrew scriptures, the shofar announces the coronation of a king. For example, Solomon, Shlomo, in 1 Kings 1, verse 39. This is what it says. Tzadok the Kohen took the horn of olive oil out of the tent and anointed Shlomo. They sounded the shofar, and all the people shouted, Long live, live King Shlomo, or King Solomon. Yeshua says this in Matthew 24, verses 30 and 31. He's describing the last days and the return of the King Messiah to rule and reign. This is what he says. Then the sign of the Son of Man, that's um, a term for the Messiah, Yeshua, will appear in the sky. All the tribes of the land will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with tremendous power and glory. Sounds like a king, right? He will send out his angels with a great shofar, a great shout, a great blowing of the trumpets. And they will gather together his chosen people from the four winds, from one end of heaven to the other. Now, I don't know about you, but this kind of makes me think of a song, this verse. It's a song that I think captures this idea very well, and it's pretty well known. Uh, Does anyone know what song I'm thinking of? Behold, He Comes. Yes, that's that's the song. It's Days of Elijah. All right? Raise your hand if you know this song. All right, so I thought we could sing it. Does that sound good? But we're going to do it with a little twist. So when we say salvation in the chorus, we're going to say instead the Hebrew word, of course, which is Yeshua. Um, It's Jesus' name, of course, but also means salvation. And when we say trumpet, which is in the song, we're going to use the Hebrew word shofar. Okay? Does that sound good? All right. So if anyone on the worship team wants to come up and see if you can play along with me, that's, that'd be great. <clears throat> All right. We got up there? Here we go. <clears throat> These are the days of Elijah Declaring the word Righteousness being restored And though these are days of great trials Of famine and darkness set sword Still we are the voice in the desert Crying, prepare At the shofar call, lift your voice. It's a year of jubilee. Out of Zion to Yeshua
Sun at the shofar call, lift your voice. It's a year of Jubilee out of Zion's hill. Salvation come. Yeshua is coming. Hallelujah. Clap for him. The King. Amen. Today we have talked about Yeshua, our shofar. He is our shofar as a sign of God's holy presence, as the ram in the thicket, our substitution, as the proclamation that the King, Messiah, is coming to rule and reign on this earth. And we say, Amen. Let's pray. Avino, we thank you for your Rosh Hashanah. We thank you that you are our King and uh, thank you that you are coming to rule over us, Lord. We make you king of our hearts, Lord. We're so excited for your messiahship, for your kingship. We put our trust in you. In Yeshua's name we pray. Amen. Amen.